Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. From coast to coast, border to border, and around the world, you're going online with Bill Alexander. Laugh and learn while you listen to a brilliant display of radio. Online. Online. With Bill Alexander. Bill Alexander. Hi, everyone. Yours truly, William Eric Alexander. All my friends call me Bill, and you're online with Bill Alexander here on WMCK.FM in Keysport. 107.5 FM, WLDJ Newcastle, 1620 AM Huntington. Mixtape Radio International at mtri.co.uk. Awakens.eu. Steel FM at steelfm.org. 99.1 FM Radio Rehoboth, Rehoboth, Delaware. Orca Radio in Owensburg, Kentucky. Parkway 106 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And we're streaming every week live online at italknet.com here in Brownsville, Pennsylvania. Hope everything's going fine for you on this uh, wonderful evening. Um, just after the hour of 10 o'clock that we are doing on a Monday night on the, uh, what is it, the 26th of October. Hard to believe. October is almost over. Halloween is uh, (laughs) this coming Saturday. Time flies when you're having fun, and I think it actually goes much faster when you're in a self-quarantine or a pandemic situation. It just seems like it just keeps flying by. Anyway, on the phone line tonight, we have a uh, celebrity therapist by the name of Jeff Rocker, and Jeff has uh, dealt with high-profiled um, individuals that work in the NFL, the NBA, the uh, Major League Baseball, and he also has clients in movie, music, entertainment, and he's also working with kids, which is fantastic. So on the phone line right now, we have Jeff Rocker. Jeff, how are you doing this evening? I'm blessed. How about yourself? I'm doing real good. Glad to have you on the program tonight because I think the topic uh, that we're going to talk about is very important, um, especially during the situation that we're dealing with in the United States and actually around the world. And uh, one of the things I was going to ask you up front is how long have you been a mental health therapist? I've been a mental health therapist now for about 10 years now and going. Okay. What, What got you into the line of work? You know, to be honest, Bill, the, the neighborhood that I grew up in, which is in the, the great city of Miami, uh, but so the, at some point, it's not, sometimes it's not so great. And I realized that people always knew a street pharmacist, but no one knew a mental health therapist to talk to when they had issues. Okay. People were going through domestic violence, drug abuse, and so forth, but no one had a, a go-to person that they could share their feelings, their thoughts, and their emotions. So I decided, you know what, let me, what a way to give back to my community that I love so much and to help them out by being a mental health therapist and being that person they could go to, being that person to help them move forward with their life. So what what specialties are you are you focused on in your practice? So some of the things that I focus on is, uh, is couples work, on um, um, professionals, um, balancing work-life balance, and also, of course, a high performance for athletes and entertainers. So how is it to, I mean, I know, of course, we can't mention any names, but working right. with a high-profile athlete 
compared to working with an average individual? Oh, there's, there's a clear difference when you work with uh, those two populations. I think when working with a high-profile client or athlete, there's a, there's a sense of entitlement when you're working with that type, type of population where they're, they're so used to be everybody telling them yes. You know, it's like kind of like they have a lot of yes people around them. Not a lot of people could tell them straight to be straightforward about this is the issue you need to work on, and these are this is a problem for you. You must change it. And I think that's one thing you have to work on when you work with the high-profile clients in the beginning. Letting them know that they actually are human, too. Okay. Now, I know that uh, the athletes in the NFL, NBA, and Major League Baseball have also suffered during the pandemic because their whole careers were basically put on hold. And they were, were especially basketball, they were going full force, getting ready to go into a playoff situation, and then all of a sudden it stopped. Major League Baseball didn't start until July, and football, the only thing I think they've really uh, noticed any differences is they had no preseason, and there's not as many people in the stands. So how does that affect these athletes when they realize that, hey, they're just like everybody else now, that their their work could be suspended because of a situation like this? You know, Bill, I, I would say that the, the the people who got it the worst is the NFL players. Okay. More so because their their contracts are not non guaranteed contracts. You know, NBA is more guaranteed, uh, MLB is guaranteed, but NFL they have to go. They are kind of forced to go through the season with the stipulation that, of course, they could get COVID, of course, they could get sick, and knowing that you know what they they must work or they will not, will not get paid. So I think that a lot of football had to make a, football players had to have to make that decision whether they're not to go back to work or stay with their families. But it's been a, a very hard decision to make in this year, more than any years in the past. And um, also, you've worked with uh, movie and music and the entertainment industry. Yes. They've also been hit very hard because anything that was a live performance pretty much has been stopped. Uh, 100%. I mean, some of it's starting to get uh, back to somewhat of a normal situation, but I don't think we'll ever be back into a normal situation 100%. So how is it affecting the entertainment industry, um, and how are you dealing with those individuals? In the entertainment industry, they are struggling, like you said, uh, very much so, to the point where now they don't know how to move forward because now that's all they had. So now they, they find themselves locking themselves at home, although they have a very big home, of course, a mansion most right. likely. But right, but yet that's all they, that's all they can find themselves to. So they don't have a lot of connections or human interactions outside. So they're still looking for work, of course. I think for the bigger the bigger celebrities, the bigger um, um, actors and actress, I think it's somewhat okay. But the ones who are just making it and are living by check to check somewhat. They are struggling the most. I think that I think for most people, that financial stability has taken a hit, and something that's something that people are going through on a day-to-day basis right now. As you know, 30, 35 million people lost their jobs. Right. So everybody's going through a struggle right now. So, are you noticing um, more depression, alcohol dependence, um, abuse, drug use? What are you noticing happening over the last eight months or so? I think what, what I'm realizing now more than anything else is a lot more people are confused. I think many people have are forced to reassess their short-term and long-term goals. Now. Okay. You know, you know, people had ideas of 2020, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But now they have to reassess, can I do this? Can I do that? Can I afford to do that? 
without cannot afford to do that until next year. So now people are making some tough decisions where it has they have to shift their plans to adapt to the new way of doing things. And 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 doing and doing those things not only affect them but also affect their family lives. And you said you do couples counseling. Are you seeing more couples talking to you now than you did previously? Almost definitely. You know, I think in the past, you know, people use like you know their job or careers as a way to distract themselves from the issues that they're suffering at home. And now with the pandemic, with being quarantined, they're forced to deal with those issues that you know they put under the rug for many years. And I'm getting a lot more clients calling in for help now. So um, you're also, I guess, the help you're giving them is not face to face. However, it is it is basically an online type of service that you're offering them. Correct. That is correct. So when when you when you deal with these people and they come in, I mean, first off, how do they find you? Um, because I noticed that you you have a very active web presence online. Are you getting most people from online, um, or are you getting them more of a word of mouth situation? You know, believe it or not, I'm getting more so word of mouth. Okay, and you're right a very big platform that I use on social media, but word of mouth goes a long way, particularly in my business. Okay. So when you're talking with these people and they're dealing with these type of situations, like say they are going through a depression because they have lost their job or they don't know what they're going to do next, what are some of the tools that you give them to help them get through these very difficult times? Yeah, I definitely give them coping skills that they can use, like deep breathing, meditation, but also just letting them know that you, you got to focus on communication. I think one of the issues that people go through while trying to communicate with each other is managing realistic expectations. I think partners always have a high expectation, which is like anything else. If you have high expectations, then it's, you're probably more than likely not, they're probably not going to be able to meet those expectations. So being realistic, being mindful, being understanding, I think those things matter in all relationships. Okay, because I, I, I think that, uh, like you said, because of the situation we're in right now, it has amplified it so much more than what we were dealing with. Have you noticed um, in your clientele the talk of suicide going up? Actually, yes. And to be honest, it's going up amongst kids. Really? I think, yes, because I think kids are suffering the most. You know, kids. You know, they're so used to that, that human emblem, that, that human connection with their with their peers, with their friends, where they used to go to school to get away from home. You know, some places, some people's homes are not safe for kids. So that, so that, that used to be their distractions to go to. But now since they're quarantined at home and not being to see their friends, more kids are, I think, are contemplating suicide. As a matter of fact, there's been some suicide cases in the last couple of months from a couple of teens. But there has been increases. That's what I'm hoping by spreading the word about mental health awareness amongst teens that we could decrease that, that those rates, particularly in Florida. And and speaking of teenagers, you have a website called How We See It, which is basically um, devoted to school age children. Correct. That is correct. And um, from what I could tell beforehand, before this whole thing hit, you actually would do. Um, school programs where you would go in, talk to the kids, do assemblies about bullying and situations like that. How did the kids respond to you? You know, I, I always say that when you, when you talk about the help with kids, they have no idea what it is. 
<laughs> and how to talk about it. But what I did is I incorporated hip hop as the way to reach the kids to to meet them where they at, so they can understand what what mental health is, what it looks like, and how to overcome them. And since then, they have loved it and also rap and sing about mental health through their music. Which is actually a really cool cool uh, idea of being able to do that to connect with these kids. Now, the other <laughs> thing with these kids, do they have a stigma? like adults do against therapy and mental health? Because a lot of people, especially the older generation, say, well, you don't need that. You can deal with it by yourself. You don't need that help because if you do, you're showing weakness and so on and so forth. But do you see kids accepting it much easier than the adults do? Uh, not really, because, you know, it starts with the, the parents. I think the parents are, are telling their kids that, like, to man up, figure it out. You know, get over it. And those comments, although it sounds like, oh, it's nothing, nothing serious, but kids take the, those things to heart to where when they're, when they're suffering from severe mental health issues, then they're less likely to get the help that they need. It could be a culturally thing. It could be even that like we talk about being bullied because now even in, in classes, like if someone says I'm struggling with mental health, people are getting criticized about that. Right. People are saying that now they're – that's not right. Yeah, so I – just change the – I, I, I think it's interesting that you said that, but I also think it's interesting that because of the situ situations that we're dealing with, that these these kids are hearing what their parents are going through, and a lot of times the kids are actually taking on the parents' problems. The kids could be perfectly fine, but because mom and dad are out of work, because there's marital strife in the family, or there's financial issues, the kids are actually taking on those problems as their own, and they don't understand how to deal with them because they're not in control of what's happening. Yeah, absolutely right about that. You know, I always say that to be a kid nowadays, you have to be strong because you, you don't only take care, you're not only trying to deal with your problems, you're trying to deal with the problems of the family. And when you're trying to do all of that and try to juggle all it with one person, it's hard to do so. And that's why kids have to open up to share it to other people in their family or friends or even, of course, with a mental health professional. Because just like anything in life, you can't do it by yourself. We all need help. So do you think talk, ther talk therapy is the best way to deal with these things? Almost definitely. Talk therapy, play therapy, those are the most effective ways. Music therapy. I mean, I realize with kids, you have to meet them where they get. Okay. And with kids, they, they like to play around. They like to engage. They like to be down to earth. So you you just got to meet them at their, you know, just meet them where they're at. But they, <laughs> they enjoy it. You know, they like when you're being real with them. Because I know I have talked to other therapists in the past, and I know um, one or two specifically, and they say that the kids – um, especially the younger ones, and I noticed something on here that said you deal with them as young as three, that they may not yeah. be able to verbally communicate it, but they usually show what's happening in play therapy or in art therapy where they're drawing pictures, and it's right. like deciphering clues to figure out what the kid's dealing with, and then once you figure it out and you're able to address it, you start to see the improvement. You know, they always say that 90% of communication is nonverbal. So a kid who's three years old, like I said, they may not, may not be able to verbalize a lot of things, but like I said, it's a nonverbal that they look at. The way they walk, the way they, they attempt to talk, the way they draw certain things, 
the way they play with certain dolls or toys. Those mm-hmm. are things that be mindful. Even as parents, you have to be mindful with the kids and the way they react to certain things. But kids are very smart and they're very observant about everything that goes on in the home. So with that, what's happening with, uh, and I, I hate to be focusing on the pandemic, but that's what we're dealing with right now as a culture uh-huh. and a society. Do you feel these kids, because they have been separated from their friends, from their teachers, from their schools, that this is doing more harm than the possible pandemic could be doing? Ooh, that is a case by case. But from what I've seen, yes, it is doing more harm right now because kids are they're not used to that. Right. So you have to think of a, kid, a child who's used to seeing their their, kid, their friends Monday through Friday from nine to or seven to maybe two o'clock from the, and they've been doing that for years. And now the pandemic hit. And not someone tells them that he must stay home for about four to six months. Yeah, you know, and do and do your schooling virtually. It's a it's a huge change. I know for me, online classes was very difficult for me. So I can only imagine for kids to do that all day, every day. That must be very difficult. And I can imagine for the kids, not only the kids but the teachers, who are used to being in the classroom, had to do it from a remote location, and it's not oh, the yeah. same type of contact that you would normally have. Um, with kids sitting in front of you, now you have to do it through a virtual screen, and that could be much more difficult. Now, for the younger generations, I can see it being easier because they are so focused on computers and screens. It's the older ones that I think were having more of an issue with it than the kids were. Almost definitely. And then, you know, there's a, there's a high number of kids who struggle with ADD, yes. of course. So you can get at home. Who's trying, to, who's trying to receive virtual schooling, but yet now they have options. So now they're on the TV, now they're playing video games, now they're just doing all types of things rather than focusing on, in the in the class. Right. So, yeah, it's it's not really helpful right now for the kids. Yeah, I, 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 the interesting thing about that is I never thought about the ADD child because now in school they had to be focused, but now Correct. because they have, they're at home, they have all this other stimulus they could deal with and the bad thing about it is they could be doing it at the same time they're doing class because you can open mm-hmm. multiple windows up on your screen to be able to do things. And yet you're still losing that idea of, um, of the, the learning situation while you're playing a game or whatever it may be. So yeah, I never thought about that before. Um, the other thing that we're dealing with in the United States right now, and I know this has been a problem where I'm at, I'm actually located South of the city of Pittsburgh is Dealing with the um, with racial issues that are happening in the United States, um, mm. the whole thing with the uh, the Black Lives Matter, uh, uh, George Floyd, all this, uh, uh, Breonna Taylor, all these things that have happened in the last four or five months that have been going on. I don't want to say going on, but we've had similar situations in years past, but they were not brought to the forefront until this past year. And how we are dealing with them are are different than we've dealt with them before. And and how do you see our mindset as a country going in, in the direction of moving into 2021, 20, uh, 2022 and trying to create a cohesive unified group once again, because right now we are split in so many different directions that it is very sad. No, I, I totally agree with that. I think now more than any other years, I think 
people are more aware of what's going on, that this is not a joke, this is not a game. These, these killings that actually happened, and for the black community, they are fed up. So I think that now that, you know, there's more culturally diverse allies that are supporting the Black Lives Matter, I think that's why it's helping this whole movement go in the right direction, where now we are coming together because of that. In the beginning, of course, it was very divisive amongst all cultures, but I think that people are learning that, you know what, these things are actually going on. I think people thought it was like a joke or, you know, it happens every now and then, but not often. But now with things being publicized on the news, people are saying, have been catching videos and clips that right. these things are actually going on. I think that people are more aware that this is this has actually happened and it, it needs to be stopped. So in some of your sessions, especially the ones with the kids, are they talking about this because they're saying that they don't know how to maybe identify or cope with what they're seeing because this is not the world that they're used to, however it could affect them differently in the future? Oh, definitely. I think kids now, particularly in the black community, you know, I think that they're dealing with multiple things right now in 2020. They're dealing with the financial struggle. They're dealing with, you know, of course, black men being killed by police officers. They're dealing with, of course, the pandemic and coronavirus. People are dying from this. You know, and for, for some people, the upcoming election is, is very making people a lot, of, a lot of people very anxious as well. So they they juggling all of that, and of course, online schooling yeah. all in one time, and it's hard for them to deal with that without, you know, opening up to the people that they need to open up. I think right now they they're trying to be strong, but I think more than ever, kids need to receive. I think it needs to be mandatory that kids receive some type of mental health services at the school right now because. They're going through so much that they haven't gone through in the past that they need someone to talk to. They need to open up. They have to share and let it loose in the most positive and effective way. So if you're if you're dealing with a child whose parent doesn't feel that mental health therapy is necessary, how do you reach that kid? Because I can see that being a barrier for a lot of children. You know, it's funny you say that because sometimes changing the language goes a long way. And I think that when you say mental health, people have been conditioned in the past to think that's something negative. Right. But if you have a conversation with the family, conversation with the child, and, you know, of course, you use your mental health background and mental health techniques to help them, sometimes people don't really realize that, you know what, it's therapy, what we're doing sometimes. I think people have a negative perspective. They maybe see the Dr. Phil show thing, okay, that's okay. all therapy looks. But and really, there's so many different approaches that you can use to, to do therapy sessions. So, in other words, you're telling me we have to come up with a new word for therapy then. Um, yeah. That's not as, that is not as um, threatening as that word is. Because, right. uh, again, because the way people interpret it, just one word could be enough to turn them off from the services themselves. Um, I'm also looking at your, uh, at your uh, website. And you're, you're talking about... Uh, dealing with um, addiction, alcohol abuse, stuff like that. And we've mentioned that you've noticed it going up more because of the pandemic. How do you deal with these people to cope with it? Because a lot of them may feel that they have no tomorrow and they're going to try to drown their sorrows in today by drugs, alcohol, whatever it may be. How do you get through to those people to get to that point where you can say, hey, you do have a future. It may not be what you thought it was, but this is where this may be where you're going. So they understand that, yes, they are valuable. 
Well, I think the biggest thing that we have to always have to realize is that therapy is a process. So allowing them to know that, you know, it's going to take some time, but also get, inviting family members to get involved in the therapy session. Because like I, I said earlier, we can't do things by ourselves. And I think with, particularly with an addiction, you need family support to get you through those tough times. Okay. You know, because the family will, will insert the hope in an individual if they're around them and they, they love them, well, of course, long enough. So I think that inserting family members is always helpful. So can you... I mean, I've I've had people explain this to me before, and I can't really di- distinguish the difference between the two. But can you tell me the difference between anxiety and depression? Because I think sure. there's people out there that may think they have depression, but they don't. They actually are suffering from anxiety. Yeah, no problem. So anxiety is driven by two things: fear and worry. You know, okay. A lot, a lot of times, what happens is that people are focusing on two things as well: the past and the future. So, what people don't do much times is focus on the present. And I think that that's what causes a lot of people a lot of problems because they think about things that happened in the past, whether it be trauma or you know any type of abuse or any type of just anything that was traumatic for them in the past, and or and like particularly in this pandemic, people are thinking about the future. What if? What's going to happen in 2021? What's going to happen for the rest of the year? People just don't know. So I think that having the lack of control, that's what people are going through, which is which is the anxiety portion of it. Now, depression. Now, what, what depression looks like is that someone who you know, is not engaging in their daily activities. So someone used to, who used to work out on a daily basis, and for whatever reason, decides to stop working out, you know, maybe the, the next, the last three months. They, they may be engaging in symptoms of depression. Of course, sadness, being tearful, you know, um, isolation, those type of things, those are usually symptoms of depression for a long, for three to six months. Okay. Um, so, because I can see where people would get confused with that, um, because anxiety is, like you said, dealing with things that you really can't control, but depression is Correct. reliving everything and disassociating yourself from from daily activities. Yes. Okay. Um, so is there different treatments to deal with those? Um, is it more of, of, of talk or is it uh, medication? How do you, how would you deal with those? You know, I, I would say I'm not a big fan of medication. I would say medication for me is the last option. Okay. So I, talk therapy is always the first option. You know, depending on the issue, talk therapy, I think I would say for therapy, 50% of the battle is connecting with your client. Because if you connect with them, then they'll listen to you and they'll be doing, do whatever it takes to focus on the problem and work towards it. If you can't connect with them, you can't relate with them, you already lost the battle. So how do you connect with your um, high-profile patients, your athletes, your, um, your musicians, your actors? How do you connect with them? You know, I, it's funny because I get, I get asked that question very often. So how to connect with those high-profile clients is reminding them that they're human, I'm human, you know. So I think going to the basic needs of human behavior is the best way to connect with them, which is we're looking for love, we're looking for connection, we're looking for family. And so those basic things that people take for granted, reminding them, you know, that they, have to, they need those things as well. No matter how much money, no matter how much fame, you need the same thing that every human being needs to have a successful life. 
and, and I, I can see where that um, that would be a way to connect with them. Um, I'm also reading on your website, it says you have innovative techniques and approaches towards troubled teens. Is that the, the programs that you're offering them through the schools or is there other things that you're doing with the teens that have not been that may not have been done before with other people or by other people? No, it's the program that I do in the schools, with the, which is the hip hop therapy. Okay, and and how did you how did you come up with the idea of the hip hop therapy? You know, because me, I I thought about you know what I what it was for me growing up in you know these days in school. I'm not too far from school. Okay, <laughs> but you know, I, I thought about how what I used to love, and I have a big passion for music. So, so a lot of the things that I do is because I I love it myself. So for me, I used to act in the back in the day. So that's why it allows me to connect with celebrities who acted or actresses who have who have been in part of movies. I love sports, so that's what it allows me to do deal with athletes and actually play sports as well. And of course, my third love is music. So mm-hmm. all the things that I love to do as a person, I incorporate that in my therapeutic approaches to clients. Okay. Because that, that's one of the things that I've always haven't been able to understand is how you connect to somebody that is so completely different than you um, with job, finances, lifestyle, and everything else. But just connecting on the basic level would make sense. That's what you would have to do. So, again, I can understand that. And also being yourself. You know, I think a lot of times therapists, you know, re- reframe from, you know, sharing who they are okay. in a therapeutic session. So I think that for me, I, I'm, I'm like an open book. So what you see is what you get, <laughs> and this is who I am. <laughs> you know. You're listening to Online with Bill Alexander here on WMCK.FM, McKeesport, 107.5 FM, WLDJ, Newcastle, 1620 AM, Huntington Community Radio, Mixtape Radio International at mtri.co.uk, awakens.eu, Steel FM at steelfm.org, WWSX Radio 99.1 FM, Radio Rehoboth at radiorehoboth.com, Orca Radio at uh, orcaradio.coffeecup.com, Owensburg, Kentucky, Parkway 106, Pittsburgh, PA, and also streaming online here at italknet.com in Brownsville, Pennsylvania. On the phone line, we have celebrity therapist Jeff Rocker, who we've been talking to for the past half hour. And Jeff, there's one thing on here that I think is very interesting, and I, I, I don't know if I've ever heard of a mental health therapist that was able to do this, but you can speak fluent Creole? Yes. Um, both of my parents are from Haiti. Okay. So I am a Haitian. But yes, I do speak Creole. <laughs> because that that's something unusual to put on a resume. Uh, do you deal with people that speak um, in other languages in your therapy because you are in Florida like that? Yes, but I, thank you for saying that. But yes, I'm from Miami, Florida. So yes, particularly down here, the population is Hispanic, Haitian, Jamaican. So you must know a little bit Creole and Spanish down here. Okay. <laughs> Because I could, I could imagine that the language barrier for some of these individuals could be very difficult, and that could be um, tying into what they're dealing with, um, with the depression or the anxiety or what it is, because people don't understand them 100%. Almost definitely. So being a translator, I think, is very, very helpful in understanding the culture. Because even being culturally a competent therapist, knowing that in, being Haitian, that what it means about mental health, because in that culture, mental health is, is deemed a negative thing. Okay. That people are crazy. 
So, uh, you know, being able to talk their language and explain to them what it is and what it looks like goes a long way, particularly with that culture. And that, a lot of different cultures. That's really interesting because um, being able to do that. Now, when you do talk to people that's, that, do, that are fluent in different languages, do you think anything's being lost in translation um, when they talk to you? Or are you pretty much able to understand where they're coming from? Maybe not through the words they're saying, but by the uh, body language or the facial expressions they're giving you. There you go, yes. Because like I talked about, 70% communication is non-verbal. So watching the body, watch what they say or try to say, and then just interpret. You know, you just have to be mindful that you're not going to understand everything someone says, but if you listen to them long enough, you will get, you will understand what exactly they're trying to tell you. So just listen to them. You, you'll be able to figure it out. Um, the other thing that I that popped into my mind, because we were talking about kids, um, when you have a child that is depressed or possibly uh, suicidal, how do you mm-hmm. work with the parents to help this child? I let them know that this is a very serious thing. Okay. That, you know, a lot of excuses that I get from parents is that, but I have to work. And that, that cannot be an excuse that you can use when, someone, when a child says they're, they're suicidal. You have to make a way to involve yourself a little bit more in their life, check up on them, ask them how they're doing, what, are you okay, what's going on, those type of questions. I think that sometimes we get parents get caught up so much with their work that they don't have time for nothing else, even their relationships for sometimes. So they have to make time for their kids. And are they are you able to figure out what the cause of this whole idea, uh, the whole thing causing this uh, suicidal ideation or or the depression? Are you able to get to the root of it, or or is it something that you have to work on over a period of time, not only to develop their trust? but also for them to understand what's bothering them. A lot of the cases I'm getting now is that I realize that the lack of peer support is, uh, is, is the main issue as kids are heading towards the route of having suicidal thoughts and ideation. Because you know, like I said, where before they could connect with their friends, right. they were having a problem that they couldn't talk to their parents about, they would share those, those same issues with their friends. But now, because they can't see their friends, they literally have to deal with those problems on their own, which has been a very a huge struggle for them. So let's go to the other side of that. Since the kids aren't seeing each other, are you still noticing issues with bullying as much as you were before? Oh, yes. Uh, cyberbullying is okay. still alive in effect. Uh, that has not changed at all. Kids, so kids are always, you always have a mean group of kids who have nothing but time to pick on other people. And so, so they're going through that now more than ever because not everybody's online. The okay. kids are posting, and they're being criticized what they post and so forth. So cyberbullying has not changed, and it's still going on as we speak. So when the kids when the kids bully, and if a child bullies mm-hmm. someone else, what is usually the reason why someone feels the need to bully or dominate someone? In my experience, it. It appears that most of the cases that they bully because there's something lacking in their life. So to make themselves, to uplift themselves, you have to put someone else down below them. Okay. So where to be, you know, problems with their family, with their parents, you know, maybe living in a single parent household or the lack of friends. There could be a list of things, but it's usually to uplift their, themselves by putting someone else below them. Okay. Is this, is sometimes, is this a learned behavior that they're learning from 
maybe an older brother or sister or from mom and dad? Oh, that's a good question. I don't think it's a learned behavior. It's just a it's a it's a human behavior as a way to protect themselves. Okay, that's because that's human. We do things sometimes unconsciously to protect our ego. Okay, um, there was a, a TV commercial years ago that was being put out. I forget who the organization was, where it showed a mother and father fighting with each other. The mother then getting done with the fight after dad hits her, her yelling at her daughter, and then her daughter watching what happened and then taking it out on a doll. And it's basically showed that the kids are watching what we're doing and they're seeing how we're dealing with stress, frustration, and coping. And that's why I asked that question if you feel that the kids are actually learning some of this behavior from what they're seeing through mom and dad. Oh, in that case, most definitely. As a matter of fact, it's, we call that generational trauma. Okay. So where you see where the kids, when they see their parents acting like that, being very violent towards each other, they take that same constant in, in their own relationships when they grow up, where they're trying to figure out why they're so violent in their own relationship. And, and when they sit down and, and talk to a therapist, at that point, we point those things out where your grandparents were doing it. Okay. Your, your mom and dad, now you're doing it. And you're probably going to pass it on to your kids if it, if it's not stop this if you don't stop the cycle right now. So when you would deal with someone like that, would you do it individually or as a family um, a family session? You know, I, I prefer to have do it in the family or in a couple sessions. Okay, if it's during a, a couple sessions, you know, but I, because I would like to see the family dynamic because you could tell a lot about a person the way they react to their partner when they when their partner is present. Okay. Because I was just curious how they would how would they uh, feel that that because I could uh, actually see some of the adults feel that they're being attacked by the therapist saying this is your fault this is this is why they're doing it and 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 more of a being attacking situation how do you come off subtly to make them understand that what they're doing is wrong but yet they still can change it language is very important okay any Therapists, we know that we, we can't just say flat out that you're the problem, but we have to put it in a way where the parents can receive the information or the partner can receive the information where they can reflect and be like, you know what? I can see how my behaviors play a role. It's not the problem. It's not the sole problem, but it plays a role into the ultimate problem or whatever the main issue may be. And I'm sure you're seeing more of these cases because of the uh, pandemic with the uh, financial uh, struggles and the employment loss and everybody being cooped up in the house together because, again, I don't think anybody ever anticipated that you were going to be home with family for such a long period of time because you can't go out and relieve some of that stress that you would do before, especially in the first four months that was very difficult. Now things are getting somewhat back to normal, but still we're dealing with being with family much more than we have in the past. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. I would say, if you didn't love your family now, I don't know you're going to love them now. <laughs> I don't think you're going to love them now because you probably hate them at this point because you're probably done with them, seeing them all day, every day for the last four months. But, you know, it's a, it's a testament to the love that you do have for your family. You know, it's not easy. Even the ones that you're cool with, it's still not easy. Right. Because at some point you want your own space. 
Yeah. Luckily for me, my house is big enough that we can all go to our own places. So it works out really well. But, um, <laughs> but I will say this overall, we've gone, we've become much closer because we do know what's going on in each other's lives because we've been very close with each other over the last few mm-hmm. months. The other thing I want to talk to you about, and, um, and I'm wondering if, if, if you are dealing with sexual identity issues, especially among kids? Not so much, but I have had some few cases in the past year or so, um, more so because there's some, there's a couple of celebrities who have come out with, you know, about the gender that they want to be. Yes. I think that the one, so the more famous one is Dwayne Wade and his child. Mm-hmm. And they, they, there's a lot of backlash about that situation, but now kids are, are more aware and thinking about, you know what, maybe I could do this. I could switch my gender at a certain age as well. So I'm getting those type of cases now more than ever. So how do you, again, this goes back to the, the, the individual themselves and then talking to the parents. How do you address it with mom and dad or a single parent that their child is uncomfortable in their own body and they feel the need that they have to identify with another gender. You know, I try to figure out what, what is the parent's fear more than anything? Because a lot of times when you ask that question, they use their fear of being judged by their peers okay. and by their family. So in that case, it becomes a selfish act on the parents and where they're not thinking about their kids and where they at with their, you know, the sexuality and their, 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 their well-being. So that's, for me, that's the first thing I look at more than anything. Is that, and then, of course, ask them the same question. Are you still going to love your kids if they decide to go whatever route they, they mm-hmm. decide? Because at the end of the day, you, you got to love your kids no matter what. And I think that reminding them that, that this is your child, and, you, and I'm sure for most people, if not all, they have unconditional love for their child. So just bringing them back to that standpoint, I think, goes a long way when dealing with these cases. So if it... Do you think it's easier for a parent to to accept a child coming out as either gay, um, as a as a homosexual or a lesbian? Do you feel that is easier to come out than someone saying that they're transgender? You know, in those cases, I don't think it's easy at all for either parent dealing with either case. I think that it, it's going to be a process for okay. either parent to go through those cases. But the reason I no, ask that is because with, with lesbian and homosexual, we have noticed that um, it has become much more prevalent in our culture because we've seen it in TV, we've seen it in movies, and it's become much more acceptable. The transgender issue is the one that everybody's having a sticky, uh, it's a sticky issue because they can't see how someone can identify with someone of another sex, especially if you don't have the quote-unquote parts needed to be that sex. For those people, I would say they go to these meetings to have the education behind it. Because if you just listen to them and have uh, someone who's transgender actually explain some of the issues that they're going through and some okay. of the thought process behind it, you you get some insight how what's really going on. I think a lot of times we say we we say things we feel a certain type of way because we just don't know it because it's something new and it's still something new even in today's age. Right. So I think they just receiving information about it and just listening to someone who actually is transgender will provide a lot more insight. Into gotcha. The situation. So in other words, we're we're we uh, fear what we don't know. Correct. Most definitely. 
So that, that that's very interesting because I I know people that are identifying as that, and whenever they whenever I was told, I said, okay, <laughs> that's perfectly fine with me because I don't have an issue with that, and um, I don't think of them any different or or any less because they are still individuals. I've known them forever, and they're very important parts of my life. So again, it's just one of those things. How do you deal with it? And again, I never thought of it this way, but you're right. It's the individual dealing with it who's being selfish or non-selfish and how Perfect. they're projecting it onto someone else because they're worried about how their family or peers are going to relate with this relationship they're uh -huh. having with this individual. And uh, I never, like I said, I never thought of that before. That's very interesting to um, actually learn something tonight that I didn't know uh, was out there already. So I appreciate that. Um, no problem. And what I don't do that as well is that people see them as someone be like, like they're aliens. Yes. Rather than looking at them being. You know, because if, if you look at them as human beings, that you realize that you you can connect with someone who's transgender as well. They're people as well. I think the most important thing is that, a, whether it be celebrities, high profile clients, transgender, gay, lesbian, they're people. And if you treat them as people, then that's your way to connect with them. Yeah. So again, it's it's just interesting that you're dealing with such a gambit of issues in your practice. How do you deal personally without taking all this stuff home at night? Because I can see this being very stressful. Oh, most definitely. <laughs> it definitely, it can be at times. I think that having, you know, of course, having a, a, a regimen, like working out, meditation, mm -hmm. you know, spending time with the family, it helps a lot going through the process. And, and, let it, and remind yourself that when you leave the office, you leave everything at the office. At that point, I'm just Jeff when I leave the office. I'm not the therapist no more. Okay. Because um, I could, have you ever been in a situation where you talked to a client earlier in the day and something was said that gnawed at you all day and you had to deal with it, or like you said, you were just able to leave it at the door and then come back to it tomorrow? I've been in situations where the client, I, I talked to a client earlier in the day, and later on in the day they mentioned how they had suicidal thoughts. Okay, so at that point. I, I was forced to, you know, assess the client to see how serious were these thoughts, where they they were just going through the motion at at times, or they were simply having a plan to commit suicide. So in those cases, I had to probably take a, a couple of hours just to make sure that either I have to Baker Act them, send them to the hospital for 72-hour hold, or just talk them down and get the family, family members involved to just be there as, as a way to support them through whatever difficult time they're going through until I can talk to them a lengthy conversation with them in our next session. So I noticed, or you mentioned earlier in the program that you, you, the reason you went into this is because you could help your neighborhood. Yes. With your being doing this for so long, what still keeps you interested in the profession that you're in? Is it because you feel the need to help or are you more intrigued by the mindset of people that you're dealing with? For me, realizing that my presence matters. Okay. I'm in the field that's dominated by women. So having a male therapist or even having a black male therapist goes a long way that people don't just don't see that anymore. And, and because now they've seen it, I mean, now they know that there's people out there who can relate to them just by their physical presence. And it, and it, it may sound shallow, but there are people like that who have, who have a preference. There's, there's people out there that say, you know what, I just need a black male therapist. And that's it. And, 
and that that's what they want and that's what they need to be able to find so that's why i'm able to give them the, the outlet for them to find that so where before particularly the people that I grew up with they could not connect with the therapist that they had okay. out there in the world so i'm just got to be someone just to be enlightened people that you know there are different types of therapists there's right. more diversity within the therapeutic field and there's help there's help out there for them is is there more? I I would assume there is more diversity in the thera- the, the 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 mental health profession than there was ten or twenty years ago. Um, Almost definitely. Because I hate to say this, because I sound very sheltered when I say this, but when I think of a therapist, because I am white, I think of them as being older white men or women. I never, I never had that thought of 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 being a black man or a black woman because. Where I'm at, I've never seen that before. And now I'm thinking about going, why heck, there has to be. Because if not, there's a whole gener- or a whole segment of our population that are not going to be able to identify with anybody to sit and talk to. I mean, I can understand your problems, or I, but I can't relate to them because I don't know what you're going through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, and I'm glad that for that transparency, Bill, because... Many, not just being a white male, black males think the exact same way that that's what therapists look like, an older white male. Yeah. And so, because, so when, when that's the case, that's a problem because you want to have a diversity, you know, a diverse um, set of therapists that you could go to, whether it be white, black, Asian, Jamaican, Asian, don't matter what, but just, just to know that they know where you're coming from and they know your cultural background because you have to incorporate the culture aspect when it comes to the therapy. Because that helps a lot when you're trying to deal with these mental health issues. So the other question I have, the schools that you go into, um, mm-hmm. are they predominantly one race over another, or are they evenly mixed? For the most part, they're evenly mixed. I go to most, more so in the city. Okay. But the reason I ask that is, is because the kids that need to identify with you, are they able to identify with their teachers or are there teachers of another ethnic background that they're not able to identify with, and vice versa? In most cases, I find that the kids are unable to identify with the, the, the professors or teachers at the school. So when I come in there with my program, I bring something that's very different and where I incorporate the different cultures. Because I literally have kids rapping in Spanish, okay. Creole, and, and of course English about mental health so so whatever they they like that i meet kids where they get so whatever they bring to the table i use that to teach my mental health and i think that that's very powerful for them to do well jeff i i am really impressed um about you and and now i'm kind of of uh <laughs> disappointed that you're only deal you're only working in the florida area because i think the message you have and how you're identifying with people needs to be something that needs to be nationally done or a group of you doing um, this program, this outreach program you're doing, and also the way you're looking at mental health, because I think you have a very, um, uh, how do I want to say it, Uh, a very positive look of how you're going to be able to work with people. And it's also a very outgoing approach where you're willing to work with the person in any way possible just to get them through these difficult times. Well, I will say this, Bill. I do travel, so I may not be able to do therapy outside of Florida. However, I do provide mental health awareness all, okay. all across the nation. 
So there's any school that wants me to get involved or, or speaking engages that wants me to talk about mental health awareness, I am there. Okay. Just go on my website, howisit.org, and sign up. Um, so before I let you go today, is there anything else you want to tell my audience? Get the help that you need. Don't be, don't get caught up with, you know, worrying about other people, what they may think about you, what they may say about you, how people may perceive you. Go get the help because we all need the help. Please. <laughs> and, and the other thing I want to ask before I let you go is because I know we have an election coming up next week. Have you noticed people struggling with what's going on in politics right now? And is that affecting their daily lives? Yes. The word that to describe how people feel right now is people are scared. Okay. About what this election may mean right now. And, and of course, in an in immediate future. So of course, that's another thing that's causing more anxiety to the, you know, to the, all the other issues that they may be going through. So people are very confused and scared, and quite frankly, don't know what to do next. They're just hoping for the best and, and just trying to move forward with their life. So this election is mean a lot, a lot of things a lot, to a lot of people. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, so Jeff, again, thank you very much for joining me this evening. I've really appreciate it, and I've actually learned a good bit this evening too. So thank you very much. Of course, anytime, Bill. Thanks for having me. Hey, uh, thanks for joining me, and you have a great night. Oh, you too. Bye-bye. Jeff Rocker, celebrity therapist. Um, very, very interesting interview. I, I really enjoyed that this evening. Hopefully you uh, were able to get uh, some stuff out of that, too, because I feel that it's very important that we talk about mental health in a way that is non-threatening. And we get rid of that stigma that is attached to mental health. And I mean, there is a list of things I could have asked him, but I just wanted to stay in what we're dealing with um, in the country today. And as you hear, he's very positive and very outgoing. And I know we, we, we think of athletes of having it all and everything else, but a lot of them have dealt with different things because they're performers and they didn't know what to do in their own time to be able to perform. And that's like all of us, those of us that were without work over the period of time or were not able to have human connection. How do we do these things and how do we make it through these times when this stuff happens? So again, uh, check him out. He's uh, his website is how, how, how we see it.com. And it's, uh, it actually shows, uh, shows him working with the kids and being able to deal with him. You can reach him that way. Um, he click under the founder and about, and you'll be able to get in touch with him. Also, if you just look his name up online, um, look up, uh, again, celebrity therapist, Jeff Rocker, and you'll bring up quite a few articles. He's located in Florida. So you know that, uh, that's the one you're looking for and he can actually help you out because again, I think it's very interesting and a very positive voice out there to be able to talk to somebody. And if and if you need help, now's the time to start looking for it. So again, very interesting. I really appreciate it. So that was uh, Jeff Rocker on the program tonight. Uh, next week, <laughs> we will be on the day before the election. Uh, I didn't know how to do a program before it because in years past, um, I always dealt with politics and I really don't want to do that because I can, I, I make people upset either way.
But next week on the program, I'm bringing back a friend of the program, John Daly, who will be back. We will be talking about the news coverage that's going to be happening and everything that's gone on with the new Supreme uh, Supreme Court justice just uh, approved this evening or um, or voted on. And she is our new Supreme Court justice as of this evening. So, again, just something to uh, talk about. So, John will be with us next uh, Tuesday night, and uh, it will it will be interesting. Next week will be a fun one. I may actually do a special program after the election, but I haven't decided yet. <laughs> but I'll let you know. Um, last week's program with uh, um, uh, Fontana, uh, her name, first name just escaped me. I don't know why it did, but uh, it it did. It just went away there for a minute. But uh, Lisa Ann Fontana, that's it. I knew I'd remember it. We were talking about people that were not um, normally voters. And it's very interesting to listen to her talk because she's trying to make take the stigma away from voting and giving the people the power to vote. And that was last week's program. Next weekend, or next week, we're going to be talking about uh, how it's being covered and uh, what's going to happen after Election Day. And will we even have... A result on election day. I don't know. I'm I'm thinking of uh, I'm thinking we may be revisiting the election of 2000. <laughs> I remember where I was when that happened. I was on the radio when that happened. I was on uh, the station out of Uniontown, PA, which is uh, was a very interesting night. I'll tell you that much. Anyhow, that's going to wrap it up for yours truly, Bill Alexander. A big thank you to all our stations out there. WMCK.FM, McKeesport, PA. Also, 107.5 FM, WLDJ, Newcastle, HOFMRadio.com. We just picked up another uh, airship there. We're on Saturday mornings at 7 a.m., and we're also now on Monday mornings at 5 a.m., uh, 6.20 a.m. Huntington Community Radio, Huntington, PA, Mixtape Radio Internationals, mtri.co.uk. We're on Monday nights at 10 o'clock. That is a pre-recorded program there. Awakens.eu, Steel FM at steelfm.org. WWSX, Radio 99.1 FM, Rehoboth, Delaware. Website is radiorehoboth.com. Orca Radio, orcaradio.coffeecup.com. Owensburg, Kentucky. Parkway 106 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We're the newest affiliate we picked up, which uh, we are on there every Sunday morning at 7 a.m. And, of course, we're streaming live online every Monday night at italknet.com, located in the garden spot of Pennsylvania, Brownsville, PA. Guys, that's going to wrap it up for tonight. You have a great one. We'll talk to you next time here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander. This has been a Million Dollar Baby production. For more information, go to italknet.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.